are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Seconds left, he's got the ball, he should have it. Isaiah hangs out of the ball, flips it up to the Raptors. Detroit is the city of champions again. Detroit what is happening welcome to the locked on pistons podcast your episode for friday october the 30th and a short off season ahead this is your boy matt shook the host of the locked on pistons podcast the sports writer here in detroit city covering sports gambling for playmichigan.com pistons fan and follower my whole life just like you guys and a sports newspaper reporter for over a decade as well. And I'm Brother Brian, and I once saw Jason Maxiel and Amir Johnson share meatballs at a bar. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need, rockauto.com. It is Fridays with Brian, as we are prone to do every Friday during the shutdown so far, and uh, we'll continue on as well. Thanks for listening. Today we're going to talk about the draft picks of the week that Brother Brian detailed these uh, these last few days, three of them, uh, Isaac Okoro, Devin Vassell, and Anyeka Okongwu as well. Brian's also going to drop his top seven 1.0, but this is only the top seven from the players that he's profiled so far, so kind of a work in progress. We're making Brian show his work a little bit more than halfway through the project. And also later on, we'll talk about the short offseason, how that could impact the Pistons as well. But give me a follow on Twitter at Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, another underscore for that. Also the Locked on Pistons Twitter account, and check us out on Facebook at Locked on Pistons dash. Matt Shook, give Brian a follow on Twitter, Shook 12 as well. Brian, what's going on, man? Not much. Having a good week so far. Saw some sun here in the last couple of days. So getting ready for Michigan, Michigan State here too on Saturday. Yeah, exactly. The big uh, game in state. That's a noon kickoff on Saturday, a little bit uh, earlier than maybe we're used to sometimes with that matchup. And then Halloween this weekend. And of course, uh, some more national news coming on Tuesday because <laughs> you're buckled up for that too. But uh, we'll talk Pistons today. And there is some buzz picking up about the uh, the quick offseason and the NBA draft. And of course, Brian's coming this week with the Locked on Pistons podcast. Now, this is the the listeners ranked their top 17 prospects, I think we did. 18. 18, 18. prospects. Mm-hmm. Yes, top 18 prospects. They voted on Reddit and uh, Twitter and all these other places earlier this offseason. And uh, we put out the list. And Brian's going through from 18 to 1. And you have done all through number 7 on the list, correct? Correct. That's where we're at. The top six left. So, in, in theory, the six left should be the six players that the Pistons don't have a chance for, but we know how the NBA draft works, and some of those names will probably fall down a little bit. But we'll continue those next week, the, the top six. Mm-hmm. And seven on the listeners list was Nyeka Kongwu, eight was Devin Vassell, and nine was Isaac Okoro, the players that we profiled earlier this week. Check out those episodes from earlier this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, to hear the breakdowns on all those players. But we, I, I promise we don't plan this out. It just kind of works out this way. But it's like a grouping of similar type of players and that these guys all seem like they can help on the defensive side of the court in day one. Absolutely. All three of these guys off the charts on the defensive end. They're all long. You know, some of them have, uh, you know, bigger wingspans than you'd expect. But all these guys are really good defenders, high energy guys uh, that can really get into passing lanes, create turnovers, can switch from defense to offense pretty quickly as well. And in in, in at least two of the three cases, Vassell, maybe not so much, but um, 
yeah, the, the defense is what really jumps out about these three guys. And I think, you know, we're getting into a, a, an area on the list where all these guys could potentially have a pretty immediate impact. But the three, Okoro, Vassell, and Okongwu that we're talking about today, uh, their impact is going to be felt mostly on the defensive end, like you alluded to. Yeah, and, and I know from talking to Dwayne Casey these last couple of years that he is basically irritated with how bad the perimeter defense has been for the Detroit Pistons. He's a guy that wants to have the same type of team that I think the fans here in Detroit want to have, that hard-nosed team. And we know that the, the game has changed from the bad boys a little bit. But I'm of the personal opinion, and I think there's probably some old-school fans out there that agree with me, that the Detroit Pistons need to have something like an above-average defensive team, if not better. So while these guys all have holes in their potential uh, forecasts and even their resumes right now, especially offensively, there's something to be said for Troy Weaver coming in with his first transaction as uh, the general manager of the Detroit Pistons, the first team that he's running, the first team that he is in charge of, to come in here and kind of overcompensate right if, if nothing else say we're taking guys that are playing defense even if there are some warts with some of these guys so the map for one of these guys to end up on the Pistons I think it makes a lot of sense in all of these guys cases maybe Vassell I put a little bit lower because Okoro is the kind of that culture pick right away and I think the listeners know how I feel about Okongwu but Vassell to me doesn't quite make sense still at number seven as much as the other two possibly do for the Pistons. And not to short sell the cell's offensive game, especially from the perimeter. He might be the best perimeter shooter in the draft, mm -hmm. but I think a player like Vassell is going to be available to you at in the draft most years if you're picking certainly in the lottery. A 3 and D guy that's lights out from behind the arc and can defend multiple positions on the defensive end, very versatile. Um, so I think a player like that is somebody that you can kind of pencil in that you can pick up at any draft in any first round in the foreseeable future. So that I don't think it's necessarily a hole you need to plug up right now. The other two have a little bit more uh, size and athleticism and uh, some different aspects to their offensive game. Okoro is able to be a little bit more of a slasher. Um, he certainly needs to work on his perimeter shooting, as do most bigs coming into the league, and Okongwu as well. Um, what I like about Onyeka Okongwu is he's kind of a throwback. He plays with his back to the hoop better than uh, a lot of prospects that have been coming out over the recent years. He's got really great touch around the rim. Uh, so I think there's a little bit more to like, and there's a little bit more NBA-friendly um, games with uh, Okoro and Okongwu, and there'd be a little bit rarer uh, skill sets to find necessarily uh, than maybe Vassell. And another thing that's interesting about Isaac Okoro, as I kind of look back at the Oklahoma City draft history, is taking guys who have the physical profile. Terrence Ferguson is one that stands out as – the physical profile of a player who could excel in the NBA doesn't quite have that shot taken care of yet. And, and there are questions about whether it's ever going to come for Terrence Ferguson, who's still a very young player in the league. Isaac Okoro is that, right? I mean, you're just rolling the dice that you can turn that jump shot into something because we know, I mean, it's just, it's got a little Stanley Johnson vibe to it, right? Where uh, a good, a defensive player, a, a possible perimeter or a possible transition type of player offensively, and even a guy who can pass and, and do some stuff. But if that jump shot doesn't come, then you're nothing more than a reserve kind of specialized type of player. 
And, and this is where the relationship between Troy Weaver and Dwayne Casey, whom he didn't hire, is going to come in. When you look at Phil and Isaac Okoro, uh, Weaver's got to be able to look over at Dwayne Casey and his staff and say, is, does this guy have the, you know, the repeatable mechanics? Does he have the touch that you think you can develop that jump shot? Uh, and if it comes down from Dwayne Casey that no, that doesn't look like something that uh, we'll be able to work with, uh, you know, certainly in the long term or maybe, maybe more so in the short term, then you probably scratch him right off your board. So I think, a, you know, a pick like Isaac Okoro uh, and to a lesser extent, Anyeka Kongwu is going to be telling on how that relationship between the front office and the coaching staff is, or at least the lines of communication. Um, and it, it's going to be interesting because you've got a general manager who didn't hire the recent head coach. So, you know, any, um, anything we put on their relationship is all just conjecture at this point. So, uh, you know, that's where that relationship, you know, picks like that. There, there needs to be a strong relationship between the front office and the coaching staff. And we just don't know what that is right now. Yeah, and not only Dwayne Casey and Troy Weaver, but Troy Weaver brings in a couple of lieutenants that are under him on the front office. Dwayne Casey has not only his assistant coaching staff, but also the trainers that deal with a lot of the shot works and fundamentals and things like that. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a large meeting of a lot of people that need to come together to talk about things like can Yeko Kongwu make more than 15 footers or even 15 footers going forward in the short term and ho hopefully more in the long term. And can we turn Isaac Okoro into something like a 33, you know, percent three point shooter plus going forward, but a Kongwu and, and I know I needed a cigarette after you talked about a Kongwu, of course, but uh, it, it's just interesting bigs in general, right? Because we've been told for so long about how, uh, undervalued they are in the or overvalued they are in the NBA but now we've kind of done the switch just because Bam Adebayo and Nicole Jokic and Anthony Davis go out there and have this great playoffs and now we got to kind of change it completely to oh these guys are really really valuable and James Wiseman should be the first pick and teams should go trade up for James Wiseman at this point maybe Okongwu is not even around at number seven what do you think about just generally speaking the idea of a big at number seven right now or is it just kind of uh, maybe we overreacted a little bit before and we're overreacting to the other side a little bit now. Well, the interesting thing about a Kongwu is, you know, the, the bigs that you named, there is a perimeter presence that they have. So the definition of, you know, what a big needs to do for your team has changed. And a Kongwu isn't those guys right now. Not to say he can't develop a perimeter game. Again, that would be on, you know, the coaching staff and the development to do that. He's more of a throwback guy. So this is going to be a situation where, you know, Troy Weaver has to make the decision, do you zig while the rest of the league zags? Uh, and, and while everybody else is looking for perimeter games, you're looking for this, you know, on the offensive end is back to the basket. He has great post presence, great post moves. Is really kind of his bread and butter at USC. Uh, you know, so I think that getting away from bigs is, pro you know, too far away from the big game, you know, big man game in the NBA is probably a problem. But, you know, this last generation has kind of defined what, you know, skill set big men, you know, need to have to be successful in the NBA. And Okongwu doesn't quite have that perimeter game. But uh, if he can develop that, then, you know, his ceiling might be as high as anybody in this class. And we've turned Brian into the Mel Kuyper of the NBA draft. So now we're going to put him to the test and reveal his, I guess I, I called it 1.0. Maybe it's like 0 0.5. It's the, the Brian's big board 0 0.5 because it's not quite, the real big board. And we're going to hear it 
from him. That's coming up next here on the Locked On Pistons podcast. But hey, and I got to tell you guys about rockauto.com. The chain stores, I don't know if you know this, but they got different price tiers for the professional mechanics than the do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're reliably low. They got the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like the airlines do. Rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login as well. It's a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices that you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And I don't know what your wall is, but I know what my wall is every day, and I got the perfect solution to it lately, and that is built go. Built go makes you the best you at whatever you do. Break through your wall, whether it's the mental or the physical wall, break through it with go every day. This is the best workout gel on the market. Built Go is easy to take in 1.5 ounce packages. Uh, super convenient. Put in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever. Go put in your golf bag to power through the back nine. Go shovel that snow in a month. Get the Built Go in there or put it in your pocket just to get through the day. It's five hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus it's natural. So it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. Plus, it's delicious. They're great flavors. Peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, chocolate mint as well. How does Built Go work so well? Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into my system fast, plus it's easy on the stomach. Built Go is loaded with good stuff to ignite my work. You got the beta alanine, B3, honey, and a kick of caffeine as well. Built Go then kicks in to keep me going strong with the B6, loads of B12. The collagen that promotes the joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin, tel- skin health as well. This stuff literally makes you look better. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go! Yes, sir! All right, and I promise Monday's show, you can look forward to my newest breakdown of my top seven. We'll go with every player out there on the, in the world that's available. We're restricting Brian right now to the players that we've done from the Locked On Pistons podcast listeners top uh, group there. So we're, of, the, of that group of 12, Brian's going to give us his top seven right now. When he's done with all the draft profiles, then we'll take the shackles off and allow him to do his entire – Big board, number uh, one through seven. But we'll do one through seven of the leftovers or of the, the, the also-rans so far. And we'll start with number seven. So, Brian, take it away. Who is number seven on your list of the guys we've done so far? And it's somebody we just talked about. And the reason he's lower on my list than maybe he would be on some others is that his skill set is going to be available in most drafts in the NBA. And it's uh, from Florida State. Devin Vassell is uh, at number seven for me right now. So keeping in mind, as you say, number seven, these are guys that could fall as low as 13 or, or more realistically, maybe 11 or 12 or something like mm-hmm. that, depending on some of these guys that, uh, that are, are above. So right now, Devin Vassell, number seven for you. How about six? Number six, another guy we just talked about, uh, and he's a little lower on my list than probably yours, um, is because I just look like to see a little more polish in the offensive game with the number seven pick, and that's Isaac Okoro out of Auburn. 
Mm-hmm. So six is Okoro, seven is Vassell for seven. you. So, so you've got some guys moving up. I mean, those are the couple of the guys that you just mm-hmm. did. You got some more of those guys that were in the teens on the listeners list, kind of moving up there. Who's number five? Number number five is a position that the Pistons have reportedly definitely been looking at. He's got all the high school accolades. Maybe took a step back in college in Chapel Hill. And we've got number number five is Cole Anthony. Yeah, Cole Anthony, I know he's got some people out there that love him, and I know he's got some people out there that want no part of him for the Pistons, especially at number seven, maybe further down the list. But uh, Brian likes him more than Okoro and Vassell. How about four? Four is somebody who I know is lower on my list than uh, most of the national pundits who seems to be rising, uh, maybe the best, co- best college player in basketball last year. But I just don't think he's got a lot more to reach his ceiling. So um, that number four is Obi Toppin. Yeah, and I think Obi Toppin moving up those lists and going in the top five probably in the draft is good news for the Pistons. I think that's kind of a universal sentiment around the fan base. Obi Toppin's going to be a good player, but it just doesn't seem like the right fit for Detroit. What about number three? Number three is a lot on athleticism and potential. Uh, teammate at Florida State of Devin Vassell's earlier, I have Patrick Williams. Yeah Williams, is, yeah, Williams is a guy who I know Chad Ford talked about as possibly being better on teams' boards than maybe the media's boards and that putting him up at the, the low single digits, maybe even as high as number seven where the Pistons pick, might not be as crazy as it might have seemed six weeks ago or so. So number two and number one, who do we like it to? Number two, is, I know is going to make you happy, uh, maybe uh, the best shot blocker in the draft was uh, Aneka Okongwu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a solid player. Obviously, I've, we've talked all about him, and we'll continue to, I promise, as time goes on. I got a pretty good guess of who's number one. <laughs> yeah, number one should come as no surprise. And reports that he has worked out for the Pistons in the last week that just came out yesterday is uh, Alabama point guard Kyra Lewis Jr. Yeah, so Lewis, uh, so I guess at number one, that is a guarantee that he will ultimately be in your top seven at the end. Yeah, so absolutely. this will be a guy that uh, could, in your, if you were running the draft room, certainly could be flying off the board if you were Troy Weaver and didn't make any moves. Uh, just kind of overall, uh, I, so number one is Lewis, two for you is Okongwu, three is Williams, four is Obi Toppin, five is Cole Anthony. Six is Okoro, seven is Vassell, just to recap there. And like we said, six more names coming. And it'll be interesting to see your 1.0 list about where these guys slot in. Do you have a feeling, I know you haven't given a huge look, but do you think that Lewis could ultimately be in your top three or, or something like that? Or do you, have a, do you have a sense from what you know about these top guys already where Lewis might end up? I think top three is potentially a realistic ceiling is where he'll end up with me. I'm, there are going to be guys that are ultimately above him because they are certainly better picks on paper. Uh, but they're out of these six uh, that are coming up. I can tell you one or two that will most definitely be slotted below uh, Kyra. Yeah. And just to kind of give a plug for my list, which is coming up on, uh, on Monday's show, I, I just, I'm having a hard time. I know six of the players who are going to be in the top seven. I just don't know exactly where they're going to go. There's two distinct categories. I think you've got, you can probably figure it out and read between the lines as to what I'm talking about, but where do those two lists, how do those two lists come together? Uh, how do you deal with the fact that maybe some of these top guys, if they do happen to fall down to number seven, does that make them, you have to take them because they have that potential or do you still stick with the guys that you think 
that might be better fits long-term for the Pistons. So that's where I'm at. And at number seven, I'm just kind of up in the air right now between a, a large list of guys that I'm looking at for number seven. That's the thought process. We'll break all that down on Monday's show. But that's Brian with Kyra Lewis, number one on his 0.5 big board right now and looking forward to see how it all comes together as we lead up to the draft on November 18th. But a little more off-season talk. That's next here on the Locked On Pistons podcast, which is a proud member of the Locked On Network, your team every day. All right, now, Brian, after we taped last week's show, the reports came fast and furious. And as we listen, as you're listening to this today on Friday, you might be hearing solidified reports as this is kind of the deadline for the Board of Governors to, to make some rules. Now, they've extended the deadline a couple times already this offseason, so don't be surprised if something like that happens. But if we're going to be playing basketball on December 22nd, that's got to be put in stone pretty quickly because now you're talking about free agency dates, you're talking about training camp dates not to mention the personal plans that everyone in and around the league has to make. Were you as surprised as I was to see Christmas and even before Christmas talked about with games? Absolutely. They, you know, to have a month between the draft and tip off to the new season and then having to squeeze in, um, you know, free agency and training camp into that, that just seems like a, a, a big ask of the players and we'll see, you know, how receptive they are to this. Yeah, obviously the, the money has a lot to do with it. We've seen some of the numbers coming out is how much money they salvaged by having the bubble, how much money they might add to the ledger next year by getting those Christmas Day games in. And then the, the, the reason, it seems like the, the reason of December 22nd is because that's a Tuesday. And then you could have the kind of the traditional TNT start to the season. So they get a little piece of the pie to make them happy. Obviously, Disney, ESPN, and ABC gets the long slate of Christmas Day games as well. And then every team can kind of get their opener in before Christmas as well. So it's kind of like something to talk about with your families over the holidays because, you know, maybe your NFL team's already out of it at that point. So a little bit strategic uh, plans. They <laughs> are hard to believe. Uh, spoiler alert, I guess, for Lions fans. But uh, so, I mean, it makes a lot of sense financially. But like you said, it just seems very rushed. But what about the offseason mechanics? I mean, we've talked about November 18th. If we're going to have training camp start possibly somewhere around December 1st or shortly after that, I mean, we're talking about free agency like a couple days after the draft. Uh, and we, we're already hearing reports of the usual tampering that's going on that I don't have a problem with, by the way. I feel like right. at this point, agents should be talking to, to teams and players. It should, it should be happening at this point. But So what do you think about you know, the rushed offseason and what this could mean for the Pistons? Well, it actually plays into a lot of probably draft strategy for teams um, that may be looking to acquire Blake or D. Rose or Luke, uh, some of the names we've heard bandied about. Because going into a season with such a short offseason, the least amount of roster turnover is, is what's going to benefit a team versus having a you know bring in five or six new faces and try to integrate them into a system. So you know, with this you know happening so quickly, it it may behoove the Pistons to look at re-signing Christian Woods. That's not another roster spot you need to replace. You know, maybe not take as many phone calls or, you know, only listen to the extremely serious offers for Blake and D. Rose because you're going to want to try to mitigate the uh, roster turnover as much as you can because you're not going to have a lot of time to get guys in and start showing them and working in a new system with a new team, um, you know, both draft and 
free agency. And and I think what you're also going to see is a lot of these draft picks that we talk about having immediate impacts on teams. I I can't imagine there's too many players in this draft that are going to be selected to their first pro team and then be able to walk in a month later and be, you know, a significant contributor uh, to these teams. So you might not see a lot of uh, the rookies start to take off until, you know, February or March of next year. Yeah, no summer league, none of those extra practices that you might get in Las Vegas and then learning the systems and all that kind of stuff. So even, even like you said, those, those slam dunk guys that might be able to contribute in your rotation right away, less of an impact maybe for some of those guys as well. But what about in season? I mean, we think that impacts the, the regular season and what things could look like. And with the other theory being out there that, like you talk about, the continuity might be important, or maybe you just ditch the season completely say, hey, we're bad, let's be real bad, mm-hmm. let's trade Griffin and Rose, let's kind of do a mini one-year tank here. That's not necessarily a terrible idea either. What do you think about in-season or what that strategy might entail? Right, and I think you alluded a couple episodes ago about to if selling tickets isn't necessarily part of the equation, then maybe mm-hmm. you can kind of get away with that a little bit. But in-season, obviously, the two words that pop to mind are load management. You're going to see a lot of these guys that played right up until a couple weeks ago with some of the teams that got deeper into the playoffs, um, you know, having to take, you know, more nights than they usually would off. And I think that could, you know, play into the Pistons or against the Pistons a little bit. And I kind of wanted to throw back at you kind of a load management scenario. If you were the head coach of the Lakers and you were going into a back-to-back in which you needed to get LeBron a night off and AD a night off. And then that back-to-back started off with the Clippers, let's say, and then the the second night was against the Pistons. Would you be more apt to, you know, play the two superstars against the Pistons to grab that, you know, you know, in, you know, for all intents and purposes, guaranteed win at that point? Or would you kind of roll the dice hoping that you could get a win out of that game without one or both of those guys so they both would be available to you to play, you know, a, a, maybe a, a better roster, a better team. I will answer the question, but let me throw this caveat out there about my answer because you got to have some kind of uh, finagling involved there. <laughs> there are certain teams throughout courses of the season and, it, and the ebbs and flows of the season could change the narrative there. Uh, if we're talking about like the Clippers, for instance, This is a team that's going to have that Lakers game circled, right? At the beginning of the season, in the middle of the season. There are such things as statement games. There are such things as the ebbs and flows of the season. The the Clippers obviously have a a lot to prove with a new coaching staff and just the way that last year ended. Now, maybe they go on a run of, of winning 20 of 22 and suddenly they're in less need of that kind of uplift of their, of their schedule. So those kind of things exist. It's, it's about the individual team and about what kind of things that they need going forward. But I do think generally speaking, I agree with you that load management will be a bigger issue because you're talking about 72 games and a shorter span and that you don't have, you know, the, the usual Adam Silver getting kind of irritated with sitting them down for certain games because of the paying customers and everything like that. I think it's going to be uh, more of an issue that teams are going to do more load management, especially coming off of the quick turnaround of the season. But I do think that in that scenario that you presented, it being the Pistons, a team that looks like an easy win on a lot of nights, you play the good players for the bad teams to get yeah. those easy wins. I just think that with the fast and furious nature of last season at the end and this season coming in, I just, it's, it's going to devalue the, that regular season a little bit more. 
I believe. And it's going to come down to, you know, LeBron won another title. So that's the narrative of the NBA right now. Um, and sure, it's, it's going to be fun to watch some of this stuff. But I think you're going to, you know, you're not going to see LeBron go win MVP next year. It's going to be Giannis again, or it's going to be Luka Doncic or someone like that. Just be, and Kawhi Leonard's not going to go out and play 80% of the games or certainly uh, 90% of the games or anything like that. It's going to be, you know, 65% of the games, something, a number where it's been at these last couple of years. So, yeah, unfortunately, I think it's going to devalue the regular season a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And, and let's not forget, too, on the back end of this, a lot of the reason they're kind of pushing for this fast start is we're going to have a summer of, the, you know, Team USA going into the Olympics. You've got a lot of the foreign players that are going to be playing for their national team. So you're going to go right in from the NBA season into your international Olympic play and then have to come right back again and start the 21-22 season. So, you know, this decision of when to start um, the season and how many games to play and what that schedule looks like uh, is going to have an impact not only on, well, you know, last the COVID season last year, this season, and then the following season as well. A lot of balls up in the air, but we're going to be solving a lot of them very soon with the the draft coming up on November 18th and the season possibly coming up a month and four days after that on December 22nd. Pistons basketball could be just a short time away, believe it or not. But that wraps up this week and this edition of Locked on Pistons. I'm your host, Matt Shook. He is brother Brian. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on Red Wings. Play the Locked on Red Wings show. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you guys next week.